Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is an unspoiled network podcast. This is Spoil Me. Covering... One Piece episodes 388, 389, and 390. In these episodes, we get, in my opinion, the best joke of the show so far. It's so dumb. (laughs) It's so dumb. And its resolution is even dumber than that. And it is truly this is what i'm here for with this show this is it this is it welcome to spoil me Welcome to the show, everyone. I am Natasha. Thank you very much to Gabriella for commissioning this episode. What's up, Gabby, if you're out there? Um, so top of the, the episode, I just want to mention a couple things. One, I had thought once Sam was healed up, he would no longer be in my office, but it turns out that him and Pip just do not get along. So sometimes I'm going to have him in here because they have to be separated at all times, even though he is fully healed. So that's going to be a challenge, but bear with me. Second thing that I'm really, really excited about, and most of the people who are here in the chat are also probably patrons, so this won't apply for y'all, but those of you who are listening to this who are not patrons and um, who would like to be able to like stay in touch about what else I'm working on but are not able to become paying patrons, Patreon, in their wisdom, and I say this with total sincerity, even though usually that phrase is meant to be very sarcastic they have finally made an unpaid tier which means you're a member of the community on patreon in that you can see all of the public posts and get email updates about them but you don't have to pay unless you don't get access to like the specifically paid content and for me this is such a godsend because I think anybody who has been on Facebook or Twitter lately has noticed that they very infrequently see shit from their actual pages that they follow and their actual friends. Mostly social media has decided that it's going to show us lots of ads, lots of videos of people 
mixing color into slime or frosting cakes. At least that's what they like to show me a lot. And more ads, usually. So it's made it kind of pointless for me. I try to share links whenever I'm going live with something or to let people know an event's coming up on all of those platforms, like as much as I can, but I get almost no engagement and I have almost 4,000 followers on Facebook. Do you guys know the average engagement I get per post? It's literally like 40 people. It feels like a complete waste of my time. So if you are somebody who has been like wanting to see some of the other stuff that I'm up to or get alerts when I'm doing a special event of some kind, go to Patreon, scroll past the like paid tiers and it'll say just join the community and you can become part of that on Patreon and I'm going to start doing like info blasts here and there um, more regularly because previous to this, my only option was to do a, an email and those are really a big pain to put together and you tend to like get a lot of people not opening it. This is something that's a little bit like because it's coming from Patreon uh, and it's not going to like get filtered straight into spam and stuff usually. So I just wanted to let everybody know about those two things. And then the very last one is that Patreon has also enabled me to sell sound files from Patreon instead of having to do it on my website, which is where I've been selling like Avatar The Last Airbender coverage and stuff. And um, it's another just great thing for me because that was a whole separate like payment system and I was having to pay like a higher percentage off the top for that and also having to pay for the plugin itself and to renew it. And also it didn't always work. It was kind of fidgety. So um, I'm going to be moving some of the paid stuff over there to make it a little bit easier. And I'm hoping that everybody who, you know, has been frustrated with my website now can just go over to patreon.com slash unspoiled. Once again, that's patreon.com slash unspoiled and get all of the things that you've been looking for on my website, maybe put together more successfully. My website is just not, it's not the place to be. I tried to, tried to make it the place to be. That shit's too much work, guys. I make too much content. I can't keep up. It's just not going to happen. So anyway, I, uh, I thank you very much for bearing with me on those announcements. I won't be doing another announcement like this on these uh, One Piece Boil Me's because I figure if you missed it, you missed it. But um, okay, so now let's get into this episode. So Seraphim is in the chat. So a little bit from last time, the whole explanation for why Papa can talk is another case of Odo just loving his wordplay that only makes sense in Japanese. He is a starfish, Hitoed, who thought he was a human, Hito. Oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, that's a shame that that doesn't translate. Like, I appreciate that you translated it, but it, it would be very fun for that to pop up when you don't, like, you know, you're a native speaker and you don't need somebody to point it out and just be like, oh, I see what he did there. Um, Florian, yeah, web design is a bitch. It truly is. And like, I don't, I, I would love to go to Squarespace because it's definitely easier but they do not allow file sizes big enough for my shows. <laughs> you guys, I swear to God, I feel like a fucking freak. I do. Everything that's like, oh, made for podcasters. And they're like, it's an hour maximum. And I'm like, it, it's what? 
I could do that barely alone for spoil me. Rashawn and I have not done an under one hour and 40 minute podcast. And I don't even remember when literally the last, like <laughs> the last song of ice and fire episode we put out was I think two hours and 20 minutes. It was something insane. So anyway, <laughs> so let's get back to this, this fucking <laughs> tragedy. Uh, the truth hidden under Duval's mask. I just realized I didn't read the uh, titles of the episodes, but that's okay. So this, guys, this joke, what we what we get here, I was wondering how long it was going to take for us to see his face. And I kind of thought it might be like dragged out even more because what it turns out is going on here is a very short little blip, it seems like. By the end of this trio of episodes, we've dealt with Duval and we have moved on. That crunching sound is Sam really going to town on a venison chew. So sorry about that. Um, and in instead, like I, I had expected for Duval to maybe be the big bad of this arc. And it's just I do, like, I, I guess he could be still like, I don't think so, but perhaps I just really didn't expect for us to wrap things up. And I'm sort of wondering, y'all, if you can give me some other examples, because I am positive that this has happened before, but I'm having trouble remembering. Every arc has got a big bad, and that big bad usually has his henchmen, who our friends have to deal with first, and then they get to the big bad and everybody gets like sort of separated and they each have to deal with their own particular henchmen because based on their abilities, they get sent to deal with whoever they're most likely to be able to handle. But a guy like this, who's a baddie and very determined to go, to go after them, but doesn't have a sustained arc of any kind in his taken care of in just a few episodes i feel like the only time i've seen this really are when it's a uh, filler episode or what y'all call a filler episode i don't always agree with you nevertheless so i'm just kind of um trying to remember if this has ever occurred because i really enjoy how unexpected it was to think i'm like oh okay i know what we're going into here and instead it's sort of a one-off and it feels like it could have been considered filler if it weren't for the fact that it ties in with the wanted sign, which of course that's a main, you know, plot thread. Um, anyway, so we pick up, we're still in the midst of this fight and Luffy unsurprisingly is extremely taken with the flying fish. So he uses his rubber arms to like reach up and grab a guy out of the sea and then jump onto the fish himself. And he just tosses that guy, I assume, to his death. Um, <laughs> this reminds me of, uh, I don't know how many of y'all have watched Daredevil, but um, Daredevil, the the series on Netflix, it the whole thing with him was that he fought, but he tried not to kill. Like, it was just not something that he wanted to be responsible for. But uh, somebody once did, like, I think it was a YouTube short where they compiled 
the clips of every moment where he in a fight would have dealt somebody fatal head injuries or by throwing somebody over a stairwell would have inflicted fatal head injuries. And uh, they all basically were like, yeah, this guy says he doesn't kill people, but he like kills people a whole lot, actually. Um, so, yeah, he's up there flying around. And, of course, it's Chopper who's the first one to be like, um, what about if he falls? Because he is... A devil fruit eater and that means that he cannot swim and it turns out that that is indeed a problem at the time when he voices this concern sanji literally says whatever which sanji <laughs> but you know what i you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna be generous here and i'm gonna say that that whatever isn't so much that sanji doesn't care it's more Sanji accepting that there's nothing that he can do. And I don't even mean in terms of like this particular instance where he can't go up there and take Luffy off of the back of the flying fish. I mean that Sanji has come to accept that there's nothing he can do regarding making Luffy accept his own limitations. He's essentially given up on the whole concept of like, keep this in mind and be cautious when you do xyz he's just like yeah that's super not how he operates and i have kind of tried a few times to point out that you know whatever he's about to do is not a good idea and i will tell you how it goes and that is it doesn't he barely notices i have spoken <laughs> unless it is about food so all of these guys in the flying fish they have bombs that they drop from above and there's a moment that I wasn't totally sure what happened. It's not important, but I was just curious about it. When the bombs come down, Sanji does his kicking thing. And he kicks all of the bombs away from the ship and they explode in a circle around the ship. And Robin is shown to have like moved her hands in such a way that she was going to do something. But Sanji does his kicking thing and she sort of pulls back and I was trying to see if she had thought she needed to step in and then it turned out not to be necessary or if she had done something like f with in conjunction with Sanji's kick and I don't think she did I think it's just meant to be that these guys are not a big enough threat that everybody needs to be all hands on deck at once. She could literally kind of just sit back because it's not a big deal for them to cope. Um, but I just wanted to make sure that I didn't miss anything with her ability. So yeah, this, this is the uh, moment where Nami is, first of all, he says like if they hit a lady with any of those bombs, they will be hell to pay. Nami says, pull the sails in because they're going to get in the way, which is a really good point. Not only in terms of, you know, just, just th these bombs coming down, but also if you can, they are, I don't think real great at stationary flying. It seems like they're not hummingbirds. They can't stay in place. They just sort of, uh, fly past. So maybe if you stand still, in this ship it'll be more difficult for them i don't know anyway it does not matter so we then see luffy he passes by underwater with a look of terror on his face we then see 
both Chopper and Brooke go past in a similar manner. We don't really see them get rescued. We just see them suddenly on shore and everybody panting like it's clear what happened. And I appreciate Nami being like, you know what? I should have just let you assholes sink because this is really thoughtless of you. And at the time, it's sort of let go. But a little bit later, Brooke brings up how ashamed he is that, like, in the very first fight he has had with the, like, while being on the One Piece crew, the only thing he accomplished was almost drowning and having to be saved by one of them, which um, didn't really occur to me. But yeah, that is pretty embarrassing. And he winds up making up for it. Don't get me wrong. But I, I didn't really think about this being, like, their first fight because... They were all sort of on the same side on Thriller Bark, so I think of it as that being their first fight. But this is the first first fight as a crew. Um, I'm sorry, guys. My my tug is just really going after this chew as if it's like moving around and fighting back, and it's very adorable. So, anyway, this is when we get uh, we get oh my god, Zoro! I keep wanting to say Sanji. We get Zoro chopping open Hachi's cage and letting him out. And he is so excited. He says to Zoro, uh, you're a really great guy. And a bit later says, I'm really sorry for what I did to you. And Zoro's like, what do you mean? And he says something like... Well, you know, I really got the better of you with my, like, eight sword technique, I think is what he calls it. And Zoro gets so mad at the insinuation that he was, like, beaten. And I really liked that moment. I'm not saying that I want Hachi to be a crew member. I am saying that I want Hachi to be a crew member, though. A little bit. I'm just saying. Um, yes, Arifim, I see a pupper. Yes, indeed. I gave him one of those long lasting chews and, uh, man, he really is a chewer and I'm not sure how long long means exactly. So this, these dudes who had beaten the shit out of Hachi while he was like helpless are now standing there as he is coming toward them being like, you guys fucked with me when I couldn't fight back at all. I am going to ruin your goddamn day. And each one of them gets a moment of saying like how much fun it was to kick his ass before and they're going to do it again. And I really like that the last guy who's got his sword, he looks like such a friggin' goober nerd. Like, they're they're all meant to be fishmen and they're all they all look non-human but the guy at the end is the is like the humanest looking of them and i think some of that has to do with the fact that he's like got a skin tone that looks like real skin like that's a caucasian skin tone or asian skin tone um but also the fact that his features are only slightly exaggerated. And I just kept thinking about, like, I've met this guy or seen this guy online. Like, I don't know. There was just thing about him. I was like, this is uncomfortable. This feels like a real person. Um, so they come at him and he 
punches all three of them into the air. And as they fly away, they say something like, we'll let you go this time, which uh, makes it a lot more understandable why he is embarrassed that he got caught by these guys. <laughs> these dudes are such dorks. They're just dorky dorks. Um, so he comes out of the water and reunites with, I think her name is pronounced Kami. I think that's the way they're saying it in the show. I keep saying Kami, like the, uh, tank top, the lacy, you know, top that you wear underneath a, a shirt. But he's like in the midst of reuniting with her and some dude flies out from the sky with one of those fucking flying fish and almost gets him in the back with a sword. Zoro once again steps in and saves him. And this is when he says, thanks, and I'm sorry what I did to you. Um, so we go then to the Sunny. And our friends are using cannons on the flying fish. It's pretty satisfying. I really did enjoy getting to see, like, the weapons that we've got on the Sunny. And granted, one of the last ones we use is, like so OP that it can only be used very infrequently because it it's paid with the same fuel as what Frankie uses, which is cola. And, you know, guys, this had me thinking, do they have to buy cola or is this something that in this universe they can just make themselves? Like... <laughs> They just, do they just have a soda stream on board or do they have to find a cola salesman and, you know, buy several barrels of it off him when they get the chance? It's just a the reason I'm even asking, too, is because while I, I like I accept that Frankie runs off of cola, I don't think we have ever seen anybody drink or talk about cola ever on the show. We've had lots of talk about different types of boozes and things, but not ever cola. And I'm just sort of like, is this meant to be like a real specialty item or is it simply that it's never come up? Because why would it, you know? Um, so let's see. Uh, Gus is saying K-me. Oh, Okay, I got you. Yeah, I, <laughs> wow, really did not remember it that way. Gotcha. Um, so then we go to Duval, and he is offering all of the fish guys, like, a million berries if they, you know, kill all of the fucking straw hats. It's a big prize. This guy is very serious. And one of the, like, motivation of hearing that it's going to be worth a million berries causes some of them to get a little bit crazy. And there's one dude who starts to do what looks like a suicide mission. He's coming straight at the Sunny. He isn't braking. He isn't steering. And he intends to just slam straight into them without stopping and sink the entire ship. Which, like, I understand that in a vacuum, but all I could think was that you are also going to be in the water and your fish is probably, I'm going to guess, not going to survive that. And you are going to be stuck drowning just like everybody else. It does not feel like he is thinking ahead. Regardless, 
Sanji and Luffy go flying into the air and they each take care of him in their own way. Luffy by turning into a giant balloon. Um, and the flying fish lands on the deck of the ship. And Luffy says, I know what we're having for dinner. And while I shouldn't have been surprised because we know what he is like with food, I was genuinely like, I thought he would just want to ride it. I thought that was going to be his number one priority. But no, no, food is always going to come first. Um, I guess that it's not like alive anymore. It's still flopping when it first lands. So I interpreted it as just the thing that fish do when they are on the, like on land, you know, in the, if you catch a fish and you toss it into your boat for a minute, it flaps around for a little bit. So I thought it was that, but I'm realizing probably it's dead. Um, so this is when Brooke is like, all right, it's time for me to make it right. Everybody stand back and I'm going to do my thing. And he climbs up the mast and kicks off from it in this, like, huge, amazing jump that looks dope as hell. And rightfully, both Luffy and Chopper are like, oh, my God, that is so cool. And then in midair, in front of all of these flying fishmen, he pulls out a violin and begins to play a lullaby, which immediately makes the riders and the fish fall asleep. Unfortunately, it also makes Luffy and Chopper fall asleep. But I really, really enjoy the concept of him using his music as a superpower. Like, I don't know if this is going to be his thing entirely, I don't believe it will be because, you know, he's over here fucking walking on water still, which I consider a superpower. Although I think Oda probably would argue that it's simply the nature of how light he is. And that's not that doesn't really count. Um, but, yeah, I am really into seeing more music based powers here. That's a fun one. And especially just like the idea to me of. You guys know how much I enjoy, like, parties and the concept of, like, getting people hype. And I would, if I were Brooke and I had the ability to, like, play something and get everybody in a room just dancing because it was the the reaction that they had, I would definitely be out here doing that. And I would certainly use that against enemies because it's funny. That would just be a funny thing. So I'm hoping we get a little bit more uh, from this, like, concept, you know. So Seraphim says, huh, I'm guessing they have to buy it whenever they hit up port, but I guess it's just pirates equals booze. So that's what gets focused on. Gus says Frankie bought cola back in the bar in Water 7. I don't think it's specialty. It just doesn't get a lot of focus outside of Frankie. Okay, because, yeah, he's, like, the only one. It felt almost like Water 7 was the only place you could get it initially. Um, to me, I mean, not like that was in the universe, but it's simply never been mentioned ever. And then all of a sudden, he's not only ordering it, but that's literally what he runs on. So this, like, the the fact that they all fall, that's a good moment, guys. I really... <laughs> so, Brooke continuing to walk on water he is running from them in such a way that they keep crashing into the water trying to catch him 
and he is just avoiding them and dodging. And at one point he like holds a finger up and I really thought he was giving them the bird, but it's just a pointer finger. So I think it's just supposed to be like, hey, there's still some up there if you want to do something, Luffy, because then he jumps into the air. Um, <laughs> he gets on the back of one of the fish and there's a, a like flyer who's asleep and he's like, hey, don't freak out. I just want to ride on it. And then he realizes that this fish is also asleep and they go crashing into the roof of one of the homes below. And it just happens to be, you guys, I'm going to get into this main, main event now. So he sees this face and I'm, of course, expecting that it's going to be a bad that we've seen before. Either that or it was going to be somebody that had been a friend that we had seen before and then unintentionally something that the straw hats did wound up screwing them over and they soured on the whole bunch of them because of this like slight that they imagine was perpetrated on purpose but was in fact just a you know side effect or accident of something and instead we get this wonderful reveal because he's talking about how he's going to get the guy who ruined his life. Uh, of course, I'm assuming he's talking about Luffy. Why would I not think he's talking about Luffy? Everything is always about Luffy. Like, truly never crossed my mind for a second. It was about anybody else except I think maybe Zoro flickered out for a minute and that was pretty quickly put away. I was convinced it was Luffy. So this dude stalks out after like a series of, of other little battles between people. And he says to Sanji how you have ruined my life. This is the greatest day. The man I've dreamed of killing is right before my eyes. I may have suffered to get here, but it's all been worth it. And this was when I started to be kind of like, oh, well, you and Luffy were like alone in that little hut together. But now you're out here talking about how the man you want to kill is, is like within your grasp. I thought it was Luffy. And yet you're out here looking at the sunny, so maybe not. And then he spots Sanji and basically is like, you're the fucking one that's responsible. And everybody is trying to figure out what it, what it could be that Zoro did to piss somebody off. Like they are, I think or not Zoro, Sanji. They're thinking, I think that it's uh, Nami who brings up the, she says, she pronounces it Baratie in the show. I don't think that I had heard it like talked about since I switched to the dub and Baratie pronunciation. You guys may have told me that that was how it was pronounced, but I don't think that it's easy to come through with pronunciation on text all the time. So yeah, I, uh, I really liked that like pronunciation a lot better. I think I was calling it the Barity in my head. And I was sort of like, I don't really, I don't know. It doesn't seem to flow very well. 
But yeah, so they're all thinking that like maybe it's something that Sanji did even before he was a crewmate, you know, which I think it's smart to go back that long because people hold grudges for a long time. When Sanji expresses that he does not know who this guy is, he did make all sorts of like fuck people over when he was on the Baratier to piss them off enough that it would be difficult to narrow down any person in particular. And then he's like, and if it's somebody recently, I'm even more confused by that. I have no idea. Meanwhile, this dude is shooting harpoons that are dipped in poison from this insane weapon at the ship. And the, everybody's busy dodging while Luffy and Zoro off to the side on the island from which he is shooting. They sneak up on him from the side and Luffy kicks his helmet off and we get this like long reaction pan as usual between everybody. And I love the shock on everybody's face because you guys, I was not ready in any sense at all. He says, when they found him, do you know what they'd say? You can't hide from us, black leg Sanji. And then do you know what I told him? He, I've never even met the guy before. And the camera pulls out. And not only that, I ain't even a pirate. And it is a dude who looks exactly like the weirdo drawing that somebody did for Sanji's wanted poster. <laughs> you guys, this is so brilliant and so dumb. I swear to God. I, I just sat there. I didn't even laugh out loud. It was like that kind of funny where you're just like, I need a second. I need a second to process what's happening here because it like took me a minute to really get what they were saying. And I can't get over how weird this dude looks like in the context of this world. And he's complaining about how they came after him. I wasn't even a pirate. And meanwhile, Sanji is getting fired up. And I mean that in the most literal like sense, because you know how he can turn into fire. And I kind of thought that maybe Sanji was going to be like, well, that's my bad. I didn't draw it. It's not my fault. And instead, he is blaming this dude for whining is, is really what it comes down to. And also... Also saying, can you imagine how it felt for me, for people to think that I looked like this, which is the most insulting, like, <laughs> it's just so stupid, you guys. And he, like, kicks him in the face and is just like, who fucking gives a shit, dude? Like, does not want to hear it. And isn't feeling personally guilty or sorry at all, which he shouldn't. I mean, this really has nothing to do with him when it comes down to it. But I 
probably still would have felt a little bit guilty were I in his shoes because I just tend to do that. You know, that's something I'm working on. Um, Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Anyway, you guys, this reveal was... I just... It's so incredibly goofy and it's such a... Fu- like, I really want to know if Oda did that thing with the poster with the intent of creating a character who looked like this or if it was something that like a fan joked around about in some forum and he was like you know what that's a good idea i feel like if i were somebody writing something this popular i don't know that i'd be able to resist being in places where folks were talking about it you know like i I think about this a lot because I had written a novel once and I have since pulled it from Amazon because, ouch, I did not do well. But it was the sort of thing that it's such a small work and what I do is so small that I don't want to read reviews. I don't want to look at it because it's just every single thing is going to hit so much harder because there's not so much written about it. But if I did something that was huge... And there was thousands of people talking about it at a time across the globe. I feel like it would be a little bit easier for me to like swoop in and out of areas that they're talking and not feel quite so self-conscious about my work. And I could definitely see stumbling across this concept as a joke and being like, oh, okay, so I know what I'm doing. Like. I really can't imagine how much fun it would be to sort of get inspiration for multiple storylines by doing that. I I mean, this, this series is so loosey-goosey. You don't need to worry about hitting certain plot beats too hard because the, the overarching story that is like connecting is so drawn out. It doesn't matter. In between, you could fucking do literally anything. So I think I would really be kind of like making people's fanfic come to life a lot for just the fun of it um florian says such a sad character i truly feel for him seraphim says oh he definitely intended this florian said people went crazy before this chapter dropped there were so many wild fan theories and nobody called this to happen oda is a master seraphim says oda doesn't have time to read fan boards dude's schedule is freaking insane that's true i guess what i would imagine would be like he's got people reading fan boards and getting back to him with like the cliff notes of whatever was talked about today he's like i have a crazy schedule so i'm gonna milk that community for ideas to get ahead of it um but anyway i just this this joke is so good you guys and what i really like as well so the next episode 389 explosion Sonny's super secret weapon, Gaon Cannon. I'm not sure I'm saying that right. But we start that next episode, and this dude has been talking about how unfairly he's been persecuted. And then we get a lovely little, like, weirdly illustrated 
<laughs> the whole way this is done, it's supposed to be a memory. So we've got the really basic background. And then him and his friends are drawn just as intricately as usual. But they have a white outline around them as if they are paper dolls and they have been cut out and just put onto this scene. And then all of the people who are not him or his friends are just these like black. It's not even like they're quite silhouettes because they have clothing that is colored and they have hair that is colored. And when they speak, their mouths open and there are white teeth and pink tongues like a lot of what is going on with these guys you can still see distinctly but in terms of their features there is just black space it's such a weird way to do things and i don't think we've seen you know there's been a, a few different instances where somebody's telling a story about their past or we're in a flashback and the animation style changes to signal that we're going into some other time and i don't remember one that was like this with the like paper doll effect here and the way that he talks what happens is this little girl is like crossing the street and he is walking up it with his friends and his little this guy's little girl like hits him with her ice cream cone and gets it on his pants and he says to the dad how are you gonna pay for that and when he says, how are you going to pay for that? There's this very creepy sort of wide lens effect on his face. Like they are just really exaggerating the sort of grotesque nature of the way he looks. And I was sort of thinking like, what are we going to do here? Are we going to have it be that he wasn't such a bad guy? But then the way he reacts to this and gets in the dad's face, at least he doesn't like hit the little girl or something, which I was concerned about. But he does steal this guy's wallet and we see him walking away, tossing the wallet in his hand and says, we just extorted money from people. It was a simple life, but a happy one. And I felt so much better right away because I kept thinking he was just some dude and that he hadn't had these henchmen or anything until, and, and I still kind of enjoy this like theory personally, but I, what I, what I want for this mythology to be about the guy's current situation is that all of the people that are following him now believe that he is genuinely worth a hundred million berries or whatever it is and he has accumulated this like retinue of fighters who all believe that he is super capable and he has never had to prove to them that he is super capable because the bounty speaks for itself and that's why he sends them fighting and he stays in a locked room with the fucking phone. Like I was sort of imagining this whole thing where it turned out when they realized he wasn't actually black leg Sanji, that they would be feeling like they'd been tricked and all, maybe like even turn on him, you know, but sadly it doesn't go that way. I kind of enjoy that idea. Just, you know, somebody it's initially through no fault of his own that he gets mistaken 
but he decides that he's going to like lean into it. Um, that said, though, maybe he wouldn't have been as angry at Sanji because that would have made things into a bit of a it, maybe he would enjoy that and he wouldn't want Sanji to blow up his spot and tell everybody the truth. It seems like all he really wanted, though, as a person was to be able to do a little bit of light pickpocketing and chill and smoke weed and play Xbox with his friends. He had no interest in a massive criminal empire. He wasn't somebody who wanted to sail the high seas. He just wanted to be able to get stoned every now and then and eat hot pockets. And now the police have broken down his door and driven him out of his house and impounded his car. And he has to live in this weird spot with these weird dudes. And this is not anything that he was interested in. So this dude is telling the story and I'm genuinely like, I don't know, guy, this seems like, uh, you kind of sucked and you may not be worth as much as Sanji, but I'm glad that they fucked your life up. But Sanji, for his part, is like really over listening to this guy whining. So he had kicked him once and then a fish man comes at him from up above and Sanji leaps up to fucking kick the guy off of his fish. And all of a sudden the camera pulls over to Duval, who is smirking and saying, you couldn't resist, could you? And all of a sudden, here come two fishmen with like an iron net and they have got Sanji caught up in the net and they dive down into the water, intending to drag him all the way to the bottom and drown him. And of course, Luffy wants to go and save him. And everybody has to be like, dude, you can't fucking swim. And Hachi runs right past Luffy and says, you humans are way too slow underwater. There's no point in you jumping in. And he's about to go in, but Duval even says to Hachi, you're not even fast enough. You're not going to be able to do anything. And this is when we get Kami jumping in. And it turns out that in the sea, the fastest swimmer of all is a mermaid. Which um, I kind of like that they have something very distinctive about their ability. And it's not like magical, exactly. I just, that they are able to be really fast is like a basic thing. But it's not, I didn't really expect it. I just kind of thought, oh, the thing about mermaids is that they're hot chicks who can swim. And that's all you really need. I mean, who who would argue with that? But the fact that she gets to do something here. Oh my God, there's a fly just like flying into my face repeatedly. And it's just so rude. And it's like come very close to going to my mouth. And I just, you guys, oh, I don't like summer in Texas, man. Everything about it. It is so steamy. The sun is like a laser and there are bugs everywhere, everywhere. It is so gross. Anyway, so yeah, this is when her starfish is like, there is one creature even faster than those guys. And that is mermaids. And we see her heading after him. And she is just like, oh, I am going to get you. Don't worry about it, Sanji. I'll be there in a second. And uh, I wanted to ask you guys, I know that these little appendages, uh, appendages? Is that the word I want? 
appendices? No, that's another thing too. What do you call it when you have like a, a syllable that goes at the end of a word? She calls him uh, Sanji Chen, I think. And at one point with Lola, when Nami's pretending to be a guy, she calls herself Namizo. And I don't know if the Zo is just meant to like sort of masculinize her name or if that's like turns it into a different sort of, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I was wondering if you guys could give me like a quick primer on those. I, I don't know what to call them. Phrases isn't right either. You know what I'm talking. It's almost like an honorific, but I'm not sure if it really is because an honorific is usually like a separate word that goes, that's a title, you know, and I don't feel like this is quite that. So I'll just uh, keep going and I'll check the comments in a minute. So anyway, she does indeed rescue him and she like those guys stand no chance I really enjoy her getting to leave them in her dust. Um, meanwhile, everybody is starting to head back to the Sunny because they are going to bust out this crazy weapon. And as they are doing this, the there's this almost helicopter sort of situation. It's like this huge ship hovering above the Sunny with like the fish, the flying fish flying in a circle as if they are propellers it's like that's kind of what we're going for here and they have a massive anchor that they're holding and the intention is that we are going to drop the anchor directly on the ship break it into a billion pieces sink you and kill all of you and frankie is just like hold up I got something you may not have heard of called Chicken Voyage. You guys, Chicken Voyage is when the mane around the sunny, the the lion's head, spins rapidly and sends them backward very quickly and suddenly. And I was like, chicken voyage? For a second, I was like, but that's the lion. What do you mean? And then I realized he meant like, oh, you're being a chicken. You're like backing away. I live for these little developments, finding out what the Sunny can do. I 100% understand people being like nostalgic for the Mary. It's their first ship. It's a whole thing. But the Sunny has bells and whistles and we just get more and more of them and I really really like it it's just a really fun development so they go backwards one of these guys who had dropped the anchor on them is like what the fuck how did they even do that and Frankie yells for Usopp to get inside the prow and it turns out that the stairs that lead up to it you can pull them out and there's a bunch of levers and stuff inside it. And Sanji is like, wait, what's going on? And he's getting given instructions. And all of a sudden, the Sonny's mouth drops open and you see the barrel of a cannon inside its mouth. 
And Frankie is like, all right, we're doing the charging up with the cola. Here we go. And this barrel comes out and fucking Duval is like, wait, wait, wait. What is that? What is that? And inside the Sunny, we've got dials that are building and everything is really starting to like amp up. And Frankie tells Usopp to get as many of the flyers in the circle of the site as he possibly can. And there's a lot of them. I mean, there's like 15. He says, lock on with the button below you, then pull the lever. And it turns red. He pulls the lever. There's this slow build of like a white glow in the barrel of the gun. And then it shoots what looks like a, a huge laser. And as he pulls... Frankie also does something and it shoots. Did you see that? That bitch went right into my mouth. I hope it's dead. I hope it's dead forever. Oh my God. You guys, that was so gross. It hit my mouth. I don't know if I actually swallowed it or what. Oh my God. Gross, gross, gross. Um, it fires, everything turns black and white for a second, which is super fun in the context of reading Cradle right now. Just if you know, you know, and the fucking place gets like demolished. There are all of the dudes who are on the flying fish, all of them go down. A bunch of the buildings are destroyed. Like shit is, I'm, it's really something. And I couldn't be mad at all when the camera pans over to Luffy, who is glowing with tears pouring down his face and stars in his eyes because he is so fucking impressed and in love with what the Sunny just did that I loved it so much. It made me so happy. Meanwhile, Duval is like, oh, oh, wait, this isn't really what I wanted to do. And... I just kind of felt bad for him, even though it didn't have to be this way, dude. You did not have to pursue this the way that you have. This is on you. The guy had a hundred million Barry Bounty. I don't feel like that's a fight you want to start. I understand why you're taking it personally, but you like, it's like the guy who goes to Morgan Freeman in, what was it? The Dark Knight Rises, I think. And he tries to tell him, I know who your boss is and what he does. And unless you pay me $200,000 a month, I'm going to tell everybody. And Morgan Freeman is like, let me get this straight. You think that my boss is a masked vigilante who has access to unbelievable technology. And your plan was to blackmail this person. Good luck. And, that's really the vibe. You're going after him with a $100 million bounty. You best not miss, friend. You weren't ready for this fight. You're fighting a pirate on his turf, by the way, in the ocean, which is not your turf. It's expressly, you have said, you were not a pirate. And you, you just flubbed it. You flubbed it. You did. So, anyway... Um, I'm just going to the, ch the chat here. Let's see. 
Florence says Chan expresses the speaker finds a person endearing. Kami overuses it, which shows that she is an over-trusting person. Oh, okay. Uh, Seraphim says honorific is the right term. And Chan denotes either talking to someone very young or the speaker feels very close to. Generally, a girl as coon is that for males. Um, but she used Chen, which is, C in, at least in the sub, it, it said C-H-E-N. Is that the same thing? Or is that because she was talking to Sanju and she said Sanji Chen. Um, Gus says... This one is specifically C-H-I-N, not C-H-A-N. No, it was E-N, but I don't know if that's like, you know, I don't, it may be that it, it, the sub just spelled it wrong. It, that certainly possible. Um, a lot of One Piece characters tend to have a variety of verbal quirks that aren't part of standard Japanese, like all of the weird laughs. I'm not sure what it's called specifically. Some characters in other anime do it too, but I think One Piece has the most characters that do it that I've seen. So maybe Chen is just her verbal tick and it's not like a thing. Um, Seraphim says Gao Cannon, the name from Gao, the Japanese onomatopoeia for a lion's roar. Oh, okay. Gotcha. That's fun. So anyway, y'all, this weapon is dope as hell. And I want to mention too, that at the same time, the sunny fires it. He has to create an equal and opposite explosion from the other end of it to keep the Sunny from just flying backward from the force of its own shot, basically, to cope with recoil. Um, and I just, that is such a wild thing to imagine that, like, you could be behind the Sunny when it's firing at somebody else and still really have a bad, bad day. It w might not matter that you're not the target. Like, just get out of the fucking way. I'm sorry, you guys. You see Sam? He doesn't usually, like, whine and bother me while I'm recording, but I don't know what's up with him right now. I think maybe Owen got home with Pippin and he hears him out there. I don't know. Normally, he's very content to just sit on his little blanket over there, his bed. Um, So, okay, I gotta, I gotta jump over to the part where Sanji has been rescued and he... <laughs> He, he's being held and Kami's like I thought he was just like on the verge of drowning but he's bleeding a lot and I'm not sure what to do and everybody's like oh my god he's bleeding what and it turns out it's a nosebleed because she's holding him like right up against her boobs, like just cradling his head, you know, and he is he has the heart eyes and just blood pouring out of his nose. I just really want to register my ongoing disbelief that a nosebleed is shorthand for being turned on. I will. I don't think I'm ever going to quite get over that, guys. That is just such a weird it's just weird, right? Like, that's not just me. So, okay. This is the, the moment where 
we have this like huge animal that Duvall's been riding on that's like a cow and he's talking big game about how it's going to fuck them up but Luffy just winds up basically going up to it and being like do you really want to do this or not and it's almost like he hypnotizes it and it just goes down and it doesn't it's not like it's almost like it fainted it's a real weird moment and nobody else really seems to understand how he accomplished this either but suffice to say, Duval is super mad because this was sort of, as he saw it, his ace in the hole. And Luffy just handles it and there's no, nothing to it. So then we get the wonderful conclusion to this whole mess, which is Sanji kicking the ever-loving shit out of Duval's face. And eventually Duval's people come and are just like, Hey, your face. And he's like, what? My face. And we jump ahead in time to everybody eating a ton of octopus fritters. And he comes up on one of these little like wave rider things I think he's on. Or is he on? I think he's on a flying fish, actually. But it's just like sort of above water. We haven't seen them really ride like that that much. So but he is super handsome. And is very delighted with the changes that Sanji has rendered to his face, which he rendered with his kicking. Re he, Sanji basically performed plastic surgery on this man with his feet. And I just really want to step back and acknowledge what a beautiful wrap up this is to this storyline, because like, it had to go this way for this guy to get out from under the wanted poster, right? There was no way that he could live his life because those posters have been handed out and are everywhere now. So the only option is for his face to change. Like, even if they got a new photo of Sanji, it wouldn't change how many people had seen the original poster. And... This guy is so happy and really like kind of a little bit too confident because of his looks now and keeps trying to flirt with Nami and at one point is like gazing at himself in the mirror and not even listening to anything anybody is saying to him and there are roses like animated floating around his head. It is really, it's amazing. It's such a stupid way for this to finish. I loved it so much. It's, it's wonderful. I love when he's like looking at Nami and she's just patting her mouth with a napkin and he thinks that she's blowing her a kiss or blowing him a kiss. That's a bit forward, but I accept. And she's just like, oh my God, that's not what was happening. So I'm almost out of time. I'm just going to like move forward a little bit here and we get some information from the starfish about how they can reach the quote new world and he's like one of them is you leave your ship and you get a new one after you pass over the red line but you guys are definitely not going to want to do that it requires permission it requires time and of course you know even if you weren't who you are the new they don't like pirates so it's going to be a problem for you so what you are going to do is go through Fishman Island. 
But they, yeah, they have to go through Fishman Island. They have to go from underneath. I'm sorry for those listening. I had to pause because Sam is kind of being a butthead and making a lot of noise and knocking into my desk. So I'm trying to keep him appeased by petting him while I record and that it's not as easy as it sounds. I should just get like a bed that's like level with my desk so that he can just be up here in my face while I record. I think that's the only way he'd be satisfied. These dogs just want to be by your side like 24 hours a day. It is very adorable, but also tiresome. <laughs> he's looking at me. See, I stopped petting for an instant and he's just like, what the fuck? I'm so sorry. I am your faithful servant and pet machine. Um, so anyway, it when they're like, well, we don't know how we're going to bring our ship down there. Uh, Kami is like, oh, don't worry. Our next stop will get the ship coated. And Frankie's like, coated? With what? And she says, oh, you'll see when we get there. And we get a look at this wild looking island. It's really, really cool. That has all of these bubbles. And what we find out eventually is that the trees, there's like a sap in the ground and the air bubbles come up and get trapped in the sap and create these bubbles that only last temporarily. They're not forever, but they float in the air. And it's like, I'm assuming what the ship's going to get coated in. I'm hoping that we're going to be in a giant bubble, which would be pretty wild. Um, but yeah, it's a really neat looking thing. At one point, Luffy climbs onto one of the bubbles and like rides it into the air and then is genuinely like, wait, what? As it begins to dawn on him that the bubbles all around him are popping and he is very, very high up. He falls quite a ways and he's fine, but he does fall from a considerable height. Um, I just think the bubbles are so cool. I'm a sucker for like bubbles as a motif in things like as a pattern or um, just that I think it's because of the combo of the very pleasing sym symmetrical quality of the circles themselves, but then they always have that iridescent color scheme that's really pretty. And I just really like all of those colors together. Yellow, purple, green usually are like the main colors. There's some, sometimes like a pink in there. Um, so yeah, this place is like really, really cool looking. And the mangrove trees, they're the largest in the world. And like Luffy calls them manly mangroves. <laughs> There's a total of 79 trees and each one serves as its own little island complete with tiny towns and facilities. The cluster is called the Sibodi Ar Archipelago. I always want to say Archipelago. I really do, you guys. That's like just a, since I was a kid. I thought it was pronounced Archipelago because I read it only and never heard it said. And once I found out that it was Archipelago my whole brain just exploded. I, it's just one of those words. Um, and yeah, the, the trees are designated by number. So it's very easy to find your way around. And I love this. So she's like, it's not going to be, or Hachi is Hachi. He says that it will be pretty difficult to lose your way around here, but everybody looks over at Zora and is like, um, I bet I know somebody who could lose their way around here. 
And uh, there's some really neat potential with the way that the mangrove roots raise into the air and the dark, like, there's like caves underneath them, basically, you know? And I'm really curious what we're going to find going on underneath the mangrove trees, because there is so much we could there could be a whole other world down there, you know, as compared to everywhere else. This also really reminds me of something in the Mage Errant series, um, which is written by somebody who is friends with Will White, who is the writer of Cradle. So real big family over here. And Cradle, you know, Will is obsessed with One Piece. And I have a feeling based on this, like, the way this town is turning out, that maybe that writer is also a One Piece fan because this feels like it could have been a distinct inspiration for something. Um, anyway, so yeah, this whole thing with the bubbles, I'm real excited to see how this all works out. And uh, the way that the episode ends, it's so strange. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot that Hachi actually like tells us because I got totally preoccupied with what he demands of them at the end of the episode. Um, Nami says, "What? why are we here? You said something about getting the ship coded. And he says, we meet up with one of the island's coding specialists and have him slap a coat of this resin on your ship. That's all it takes. After that, your ship will be fully equipped for underwater travel. And Frankie is just like, wait, really? Is that okay? I, I really enjoy Frankie maybe getting excited potentially about how this like, new technology might be able to work for other things. I bet he was, he's going to want like a barrel of this sap. Um, so yeah, Hachi is like, yeah, there's one guy I know in particular, so you'll be in really good hands with him and we appreciate all of your help. Uh, and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we also appreciate yours. And he says, the one thing that I want to ask for you is that when you meet the world nobles, they're from the Holy Land. And I'm not going to try and pronounce that name. He says, I know this is kind of fucked up, but no matter what happens in that town, you have to promise that you aren't going to fuck with them. I want you to promise no matter what they do, even if they kill somebody right in front of you, you pretend like you didn't see anything happen. Just move on. And act like it was nothing. And the episode ends there. Which I found kind of like a wild way to wrap things up. Like it's just so foreboding. But that's that's where we end. And I don't know what to think of this. Like I can't tell if he is reverent or afraid of them or... You know, like, I don't know what his thinking here is. So I'm way over time. I really have to go. But I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for hanging out. Um, and I really, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to what we've got going on in this arc. We started out strong, even though, like, that wasn't part of the arc. I don't care. Um, all right, guys. Until next time. Toodaloo, motherfuckers.
an unspoiled network podcast.